Hello. How y'all doing? Good. Y'all ready for this weekend? Good. Do y'all remember me? Yeah. All right. Is that is that all you guys remember me as? Is just the. Hey, well that is true. So there's the bald and I play basketball. I appreciate. And now you know what? I'll be honest. I appreciate both of those because those are both true. All right. So this weekend is going to be awesome, and I can't. I'm so excited to be here. Um, just thank Josh for for asking me to do it. Um, I am uh, obviously my name is Josh Evans. I am a student pastor at a church in Huntsville called River Tree Church. Um, you might remember me from last year. I was at First Baptist Pinson the last time I was with you, but I am no longer there. I, uh, we relocated to Huntsville uh, about a year ago now, um, about 14 months uh, at this point, and we've enjoyed it. Um, and I'm super glad to be here and thankful that um, you guys are here too. I hope you're excited about the weekend. So we're going to be looking at this idea of God with us, right? That's the whole weekend, right? Emmanuel, God with us, okay? And, and, and my hope, my hope this weekend is that you will see that God has always been with us. Like this is not, uh, that there's this thread throughout the Bible that God, and you're going to see it in, the, in your uh, workshops, you're going to see it from here, uh, and you're going to continue to see it, um, hopefully forever, that God has always been with us, okay, that he did not create us and then leave us, okay, because that would be deism, okay, and that means that God uh, created you and then he just said, good luck, figure it out, but what we're going to see is that that's not how God has ever operated, that God has always been with us, he's always created us to be with us, okay, a guy named Joel Beakey said this, and I just thought this was a great quote, I have two quotes back to back, I just think are incredible, Joel said this, he says, first, our knowledge of God, listen, is grounded upon God's will to be known. So God wants us to know him. Like, like that quote, Joel's saying that God's will for us is to know him and for, us, uh, and for him to know us. Luther said this, he said, God lowers himself to the level of our weak comprehension and presents himself to us in simplicity adapted to a child that in some measure it may be possible for him to be known by us. I think that's incredible. I think that's incredible. That, that God wants us to know, know, know him. And listen, how, how do you know somebody? How do you know somebody? Yes, you talk to them. You, you, you hang out with them, right? You hang out with them. You know somebody by being around them, right? Like, like, I would not know my wife if I was just like, yeah, I know her. We got married, and man, we, but she lives over in the other part of town, and I live here. But we're married. Would you guys think that would be a, an adequate marriage? No. Sometimes maybe we want, as, as marital people, we want that to be how it is, but that's not, that's not, that's not how you, how you operate, like, I wouldn't be, Josh wouldn't have asked me, because I know, I know him, I know how Josh thinks, he's not going to just ask anybody to come and speak, if I didn't know him. And you know how I've known Josh? We hung out. We've hung out a lot. That's how we know each other. And, and, and when I think about these quotes that I just read from you from, from Beaky and Luther, that God wants us to know him, and, he, and that is made possible because he hangs out with us, 
because he's with us and he's always been with us, right? All right. Yes, that's true. But we're going to see where it started, okay? We're going to see where it started because it starts great. Like God hanging out with us starts really great and then it goes bad. Then it goes really, really bad, okay? Let's read, uh, let's go to Genesis 1. So if you have a copy of God's Word, even if it's digital, I don't know if y'all are digitizers. If, if um, I have a, you know, since lost that battle, I've just said, hey, it just is what it is. As long as you're reading something, please, for the love, pull your Bibles out. And so if you digitize, if you have a Bible, go to Genesis 1, 26 through 31, okay? Give you a second to turn there. All right, shouldn't take any long since it's literally like the fourth page in your Bible, okay? All right, Genesis 1, 26 through 31, okay? All right, here we go. Then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness, okay? Now, that us is going to come back later um, in the weekend. So hold on to that us with us, okay? And let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Okay? Bible reading 101. If you see something happen twice, it's important. Okay? And God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea and the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And God said, Behold, I have given you every plant yielding seed that is on the face of the earth and every tree with seed in its fruit. You shall have them for food and to every beast of the earth and to every bird of the heavens and to everything that creeps on the earth, everything that has the breath of life. I have given every green plant for food. And it was so. And God saw everything that he had made. And behold, it was very good. And it was evening, it was morning, the sixth day. Okay? So this text comes right after God has just literally created everything. Okay? Everything. Everything that you see, uh, all, the, all the wonders of the earth that you've seen, God created, right? And to be honest, God created all the stuff that we see here. And you might be like, well, no, that's not true. And that is true because we don't create natural products. We assemble things, okay? Man assembles things. God creates the things that we assemble. So literally everything in this room had, uh, has an undergirding of God's creation in it, right? So everything that, that is made, God created. And then he created man, okay? He created man. He created man in his own image. He gives man uh, certain attributes. That's what that means. He didn't... We, we, believe that we believe that God is spirit, so when we say that he created in his image, that he has certain attributes that, that he shares with man. He created uh, these beings to love each other. He created worshipers. Okay? He created worshipers. Now, we just worshiped, and we all worship together, and there's something vulnerable about singing out loud with each other right there's something vulnerable about that because I don't know if you heard me in the back if you did you'd have left because it was I'm not a good singer so there's a vulnerability there that hey because I know you and you know me 
and we have a common interest, we're going to hang out and sing together, okay? So he creates these worshipers to worship him, to be around him, to love him, to hang out with him, and that's how we start here, okay? And not only did he create worshipers in this way, he created these worshipers and gives them jobs, okay? He gives them jobs. Work is not part of the fall. Work is a good thing. God likes work, okay? We will see in a minute that work wars against us, but work is a good thing. And he tells these worshipers, hey, I've given you a job. I'm going to let you kind of, kind of be my presence amongst all this. Amongst all the things that you, all the animals, all the water, the plants, you're going to be here. You're going to be me here, in a sense. He gives them, uh, he tells the man to protect it. What a great thing. But listen, there's something really cool here that happens in verse 31 that I need us to see and need us to really hang in on for just a second. And when he said that God, and he said it was so, and God saw that everything he made, and behold, it was what? What's the word? Very good. Very good. After each creation, he says it was good, it was good, it was good. But after he creates the man, after he creates this thing that he's in relationship with, he, the, word is, the word very good is used. That's significant. That's significant. Because he's not going to have the type of relationship with the other sides of his creation that he does with the man. Does God love his creation? Yes. Does he love your dog, Fifi? Yes. He doesn't love my dog because she's old and pees in my floor, but, and because I don't love her anymore. But, but I'm sorry, I do love her. She's just really old, and she's nasty. But, but, um, but God does, is not going to have the type of relationship that he's with these animals that he does with the man. You know why? Because he is going to be with us. He's going to dwell with us. He cre- nothing else is created in his image like we are. Nothing. He creates us to be with us and gives us these jobs. And Genesis 2 is going to give us a little bit more. And I want to hang on this just a second because I think this is really cool. And the more I've, like, looked at it and studied it, it's kind of mind-blowing. So in Genesis 2, he, he creates the woman. Okay? He creates the woman. And so what we kind of figure out here is that God is giving this man a gift. He's giving his, his image bearer, another image bearer, he's giving him a gift. Okay? You don't give gifts to people that you don't hang out with. You just don't do it. Or you don't give the good gift. So I'll give you an example. Okay? I have three kids, uh, and my oldest is like kind of in this like, video game kind of stage okay he only plays like three games but he wants like all the new games I'm like but you only play baseball games and that's it so but anyway so at Christmas time rolls around and he wants a PS5 okay so I'm like all right let's do it because because if he gets a PS5 that means I get one as well right so so we search high and low and we we find one okay and I bought him a PS5, okay? And I buy him a PS5, and I bought my middle son something that he wanted, that he asked for. 
and I bought my daughter something that she asked for, and I spent, I mean, we spend tons of money on Christmas, right? Because it's good. It's a good gift. But you know who's not getting the PS5? No, the, the neighbor down the road. I'm not giving the neighbor down the road the PS5. You know why? Because I don't have relationship with him. Now, how that relates to God is that God is a giver of good gifts. And this really furthers the point that God is our Emmanuel, that he is with us because he gives us wonderful things. He gives us wonderful things. Ultimately, we know that God's ultimate gift to us is his grace, right? We'll talk about that later. But I want to highlight this idea that, that God has always started with being with us. That there's never been a moment where God was like, I guess i got to help these fools out. It's always been, I'm with them. I'm with them. And you can see it in the things that God does for, his, for the man because he loves the man. And he's in relationship with the man. You can see that. You can see that through the, through the thread of Scripture here. Now, if we stop there, I would hope and think that we would be like, oh, this is a blissful moment. God has given us all these good things. We know that God was with us. Uh, that's great. Let's head out to host homes and do what we need to do there. But it doesn't stop there. As a matter of fact... This wonderful, wonderful story of God being with us and dwelling with us takes a really hard turn. It takes a really dirty turn. Okay, Genesis chapter 3. Genesis chapter 3, it says this. Now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord had made. He said to the woman, Did God actually say you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat of the tree, of the fruit of the trees in the garden, but God said, You shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden, neither shall you touch it, lest you die. But the serpent said to the woman, You will not surely die, for God knows when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. She also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate. Then the eyes of both were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. Uh-oh. So God creates. He's with us. He gives us all these wonderful things that we can have. He even gives the man another image bearer to go along with him. But what does the man decide to do? The man decides, I don't necessarily want God. I want his stuff. I want his stuff. You know any way to mess up a good relationship? To use people. To use people. Any way you want to mess up, if you want to mess up a really good relationship, just use them at your convenience. That's how you can mess up a good relationship. That's literally what we're seeing right here in Genesis 3. Is that the woman 
thinks in her mind, hey, this God who's with me, who loves me, who has created me, who has said that he's going to be here, that, that is often, has given me a job to do. I, I'd rather have the stuff that he gives me instead of him. The trust turns from, from God, from being in relationship with God. Her trust turns to something else, to a serpent. They use God for his stuff, and they fracture the relationship. They fracture the relationship. And by doing this, they, they break the perfect harmony that they have with God. They break this wonderful, perfect union that they have with God. They've ruined their relationship. They've ruined it. Let's keep reading. Genesis 3.8 says this, And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and the man and his wife hid himself from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. Now, here's God coming to have his relationship with him. God obviously knows what has happened. He's not aloof to the, to the situation. But there's a point to be made here, and God's making it. So he comes down. He's going to have his He's going to have relationship. He's just thinking, hey, I'm going to hang out with my, my, with my people. I'm with them. They're with me. They trust me. I love them. I've given them this beautiful uh, garden. I've given them this job. I've given them uh, all the things that they need to succeed in life. And, I, I'm, and, I, and, and I've even given them myself. Like, I'm here. He's coming down to walk with them. But the Lord God called to the man and said to him, where are you? So picture this. God's coming down to walk. He's coming down to, to, to hang out with his, with his creation. And they hear him. And they hide from him. They hide from him. They run away. They're scared. We'll talk about why they're scared in a second, but they're scared of him. Y- you, know, you know who I'm not scared of? People that I have a really good relationship with. People that I have a really good relationship with. I'm not scared of them. I'm not scared of my wife. And she's not scared of me. Even when she hasn't slept a lot, I'm not scared of her. You know, I might be a little, I might walk on some eggshells for a little bit. But I'm not scared of her. And she's not scared of me. Because we have a great relationship. Because we're with each other. They're scared of God. They're in fear. And he said, I heard the sound of you in the garden, and I was afraid. This is the man, because I was naked, and I hid myself. God said, who told you you were naked? Have you eaten of the tree of which I commanded you not to eat? Did you do what I told you not to do? Did you take my stuff? Did you use me? Did you use me? Man, that's not a way to produce a good relationship here, Adam. It's not a good way to do it. The man said, The woman whom you gave to be with me, she gave me the fruit of the tree, and I ate. And the Lord God said to the woman, What is this that you have done? The woman said, The serpent deceived me, and I ate. Uh Uh-oh. So Adam starts out. What does Adam start out doing? 
He blames. That's right. Y'all know the story. He's blaming. But it's significant who he's blaming. He didn't, he blamed the woman, yes, but ultimately he blamed God. He said, he basically said, you're the cause of why we're not friends anymore. You did it. If you wouldn't have given this to me, although I loved it when I first saw it, I even sang a song about it. I loved it then, but you did it. You know a good way to mess up a relationship? Start blaming someone else for your problems. Start blaming someone else for your problems. Then the woman said, well, well, it was the serpent. Deceived me and I ate. 14 and 15 are crucial to our story. Listen to this. The Lord God said to the serpent, because you have done this, cursed are you above all livestock and above all beasts of the field, and on your belly you will go, and dust you will eat all the days of your life. Listen to 15. Just listen to this, and then we're going to break this down. This is important. God said to them, I will put enmity, or I will put strife, I'll put tension, war between you and the woman, and between your offspring and your and her offspring, he shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. Uh-oh. Well, so I, I need us to get a picture of this. So when me and my siblings would fight as kids, we would fight, and I would always win, okay? When we would fight and we would get in trouble, oftentimes my mom would put us in like a little collective group and scold us, okay, and get on to us. So I heard what punishment my brother got and vice versa, okay? Their thought, Adam and Eve's first thought when they sin is that God's going to kill them because that's what they were told. Like they're thinking like, and I'm not talking like long-term death, okay? We know Adam and Eve died, but they're talking like instant destruction. When they hear the words, they're standing there as he's, as he's disciplining the serpent, and they hear the word offspring, they had to go, oh, wait, we're, we're not going to die? We're, we're not going to, God's not going to kill us? Oh, my gosh, as a matter of fact, he, he's going to fix my problem. He's going to fix it. Because it says that he's saying that he's going to do it. He's going to send someone that, 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 the, that there's going to be a seed, there's going to be a, a, a child that comes that's ultimately going to fix the relationship that I just broke. God's going to do it. And, and it goes even further. In 16, he says to the woman that you will surely multiply your pain in childbearing. In pain, you shall bring forth children. Well, guess what? You can't bring forth children if you're dead. So he's not going to kill them. And, and I need us to hear that even in the punishment that God's handing down, there's still grace there. There's still grace for them. There's still a sense in which he's going to remain with them. Like God's not going, all right, I'm done, I'm out. You're dead. I'm starting over. No, he says, no, 
there are some punishments because you can't break my law. But there's grace here, and I'm offering it to you. And he says to Adam, because you've listened to the voice of your wife and eaten of the tree of which I commanded, you shall not eat. Cursed is the ground because of you. In pain you shall eat of it. In all the days of your life, thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you. You shall eat of the plants of the field. By the sweat of your face you shall eat bread till you return from the ground. For out of it you are taken, and, for, and you are dust, and to dust you shall return. Man, that's hard. All these punishments are super hard. And, and when, we break our, when we break the law of God, and we, and we mess up this beautiful relationship, life is a lot harder. Life is a lot harder. When, when my children do something wrong, and I punish them, I punish them, and it makes their life harder, especially my middle child who cries a lot when he doesn't get Nintendo. When he screams and cries, and he doesn't get Nintendo. But there's a grace that I'm extending him because I love him, and I want our relationship to be repaired. And when I see this and I read it, and I read this, this, this judgment that God hands down, I do hear swiftness, and I do hear harsh judgment, but you have to hear grace in it. You have to hear God's grace in it. He's going to spare them, and he's going to remain with them in some way. It's not going to look the same. It's not going to look the same. As a matter of fact, as you're going to learn throughout this weekend, that there's a lot of things that, that humanity have to, had to do in order to just kind of like manage this relationship. Anybody ever, ever like broken your parents' trust, and they go, you have to earn my trust back? Anybody ever heard that? And you're like, oh, that stinks. So that means that what you got to do, you got to actually like try to not be a, be a, a turd. You have to try, you have to do some things. Like when we, when I, when I hear, I'm a big football fan, when I hear, you know, hey, this person has had a violation of team, ru- team rules and Saban will come on his, pre- uh, his uh, press conference and say things like, he's got to earn his way back. We're not kicking him off. We're not throwing him out. He's got to earn his way back. And what we know is that, and what we learn, and what you will learn, is that there is no possible way to earn our way back. And that's, that's terrible. But what we see is that God is going to fix our mess. He fixes it. He's going to fix it. And it's his seed. It's his child. It's his creation it's his well his thing that's going to fix it and and like a loving father he is going to clean up the chaos but that's tomorrow let's pray together father we are thankful we are thankful that you extend grace to us that when we mess up, that there is a grace. 
God, we are also so thankful that you don't just abandon us. God, that there is an offer, there is an extension to us. There's something greater for us. God, also I I think it's adequate that we ask for forgiveness when we want your gifts more than you. God, help us to lay those things aside and say, if I have, great. If I don't, great. Because I have you. So God, help us as we consider that and we think through that this weekend that when when there was no way, you made a way. We love you. Say this in Christ's name. Amen. You guys can stand.